Welcome to the Get With It podcast. I will be your host, Elizabeth. This podcast will focus on the decline of women in technology and how our grassroots organization works with the community to foster relationships and reducing the gap of women in tech. We will be talking with both men and women on how to continue to move the needle forward on those relationships. For more information, please check us out at getwitit.org. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Get With It podcast. Today, we have a new adventure. We are actually talking to Jennifer Carlson all the way across the United States to sunny California. Is that correct, Jennifer? Not so sunny Seattle. Oh, no. So really rainy Seattle. (laughs) Oh, man. Is it cold? Uh, Not yet. (laughs) It it wavers back and forth. It's spring. Oh, boy. We're going through that right now, too. It's 50 some days, 70 others. Who knows? So, but Jennifer is from Apprenti, and she is going to tell us all about it. Jennifer, tell us all about yourself. Uh, Me or the program? (laughs) Uh, Let's start with you. Okay. Well, I'm from Denver originally, but lived on the East Coast for a lot of years. And when I moved to Seattle, I I went to work for the tech sector by way of the trade association to kind of figure out tech because I come from big insurance, AIG, progressive, Fortune 100 companies in that space, but not from the tech world. And so uh, I went to work for the Washington Technology Industry Association, which is the trade group that represents tech in the state of Washington, and spent a year looking at root systems and industry pain points and formulating strategies, which is what my background is in. And so I worked on workforce development because it is the greatest pain point in our sector. And, you know, went from being the head of business development and managing our large board relationships to forming a new company called Apprenti. And it's, yeah, so it was sort of a one-year transition of hurry up and learn everything you can about how we've been doing things historically um, and had some tech experience coming from those big, big insurance companies as a business champion for some tech migration projects. But I am not a techie by trade. So it was interesting to watch companies persistently struggle with hiring both diverse talent and finding enough talent. And so formulated a strategy around that. And interestingly enough, my business plan Uh, was approved by the board and filed for a new company at about the same time that the Department of Labor started putting funds out to support development of registered apprenticeship in non-traditional sectors like technology and healthcare and hospitality. And it turns out my entire business plan was written based on that premise without the word apprenticeship in it. And partnered with the state of Washington who said, yeah, your, your whole business plan looks great. Just add this one word. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I guess that does oh make gosh. sense. <laughs> so uh, just that, and, one and that, word. Was sort of, that one word made all the difference in the world. Yeah. Wow. So is in flip side of putting that one word in your business plan, you got money? 
Um, I got money through the U.S. Department of Labor in the state of Washington to build a pilot program, but companies had to be sold on the idea because this has got to be an oh, industry-driven solution. So companies had to figure out what does that mean to us? And it's interesting how many big companies that are global use apprenticeship in Europe and Asia, Australia, but not in the U.S., and they still had to wrap their heads around how it would be applied here and what the value proposition is. And without naming names, there are a couple of very large Fortune 100 companies that have thousands of apprentices in other countries. And I kind of had to point to those countries and have them go, oh, we do have a business process for that. <laughs> so wow. once they kind of started working through that process and realizing that apprenticeship as a name is really just a name, what it is on the backside is a work process, a training process for how to take talent and train them for a job, whether that's an, what we call an incumbent worker, somebody who's already on the job that you want to train for another job, or taking somebody from outside the company and training them for a, a job within the company, whatever that company is. And in this case, we've sat down with all these companies and said, okay, what are the biggest pain points? And it's middle skills jobs, not entry level jobs. And they, we said to them, okay, what jobs do you think are apprenticeable in this model of testing, classroom training at an accelerated pace, hands-on experience with a mentor. And they identified a lot of jobs that have historically required a college degree or higher and multiple years of experience. And that's where their pain point is and finding that talent. And they're, they're kind of accepting and recognizing that, yeah, these jobs may not all require that. And we probably can take people who are what we would call highly competent meaning we can disregard pedigree in favor of somebody who is got appetite and can learn the work and train them how to do this work and create an entirely second pipeline of talent to fill this. Wow, that's a big undertaking. It is. But as you as you were sitting here describing it, I was thinking cuz even though this is a recorded episode, today is April 16th and Game of Thrones came out a couple of days ago, the premiere of the last season. And those guys, I act like Spoiler I'm like alert. from that century, right? I know, right? But those guys um, all had apprentices, right? Like right. you had your blacksmiths, right? I mean, right. somebody made that big chain that they pulled out of the water, I mean, there was no local Walmarts at the time. So they That's all what had the apprenticeships, are. right? The maesters That's have to right, go and study right? at the Citadel. Yeah. <laughs> right? Isn't that kind of like the same concept? Mm -hmm. That's exactly what As it is. I reach it back to Game of Thrones. <laughs> and I'm okay with that reference. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> we, we do it everywhere, right? Even in the U.S., we do it in right. a ton of other sectors, not just the trades. It isn't just about pipe fitters and electricians and construction, because we do it in medicine, it's called residency. We do it in law, it's called clerking. Basically, to pass your uh, CPA exam, you still have to get a couple of years of experience under your belt as an accountant and an auditor to be able to pass that. That's an apprenticeship. We just haven't employed it in the tech sector beyond an internship. And sadly, interns are not coming to work work ready, even out of a four-year college. And there's a whole myriad of reasons for that. Oh, I agree with that statement totally. I fear for my, my children 
as they get older that they're never the survival of the fittest they're never going to make it <laughs> mine were the prototype for this oh oh your kids they, were? They were my kids were the archetype for how this got constructed oh i've really? got two kids who are non-college grads who are both software developers with associate's degree and no degree and are both making one is well into six figures and the other one is almost at six figures Oh my! as goodness. a software developer without the degree without the degree damn it just wasn't their thing college wasn't their thing but yet we live in a society where college it's frowned upon if you don't go to college well we have my parents generation to blame for that <laughs> <laughs> That is, that's yeah, in the seventies and the eighties, it became a mm -hmm. big deal. Like you had right. to have it. Right. So, well, well, and, and sadly, awesome. there's like a, a negative connotation to going back to the game of Thrones reference. Everybody just assumes if you're going to be an apprentice, it means that, you know, you're out there welding and you're hitting an anvil. You know, that's not what apprenticeship has to be. The, the moniker in the U S has been focused on the trades using that title, but that doesn't mean that it has to mean you're picking up a hammer. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, you're right. Because in other countries, they probably use that as a way of schooling, correct? 70% of Germans go the apprenticeship route. 30% go to university. Really? 70%? Mm -hmm. And the 70%, and they are in every sector. Including of, technology? Of everything from... Veterinary science, technology, chef and sous chef, haircut, you name it. Like all of those are apprenticeable roles in Germany and you pick a path coming out of high school or their secondary high education system. And you're either going university, which is 30% and the other 70% do vocational hands-on training to get into a job. And yeah, this is probably a good and a bad example right now, but the CEO of Deutsche Bank went the apprenticeship route, didn't go to university. Wow. Well, would you say like schools, like here in Ohio, we have C-Tech, I believe it's called, where you can go mm -hmm. and get a, like work on nursing. You don't have to necessarily, you work towards that college credit, but you go to like a vocational school. Mm -hmm. So would you compare it to something like that? Yeah, I, I think if you stratify the hiring competency, which is what we sat down with Microsoft and Amazon and F5 and JP Morgan Chase and Zillow and Tableau, like all these big companies. And we had them look across the spectrum of all of the hiring that they needed to do and ask them to look at which jobs truly had to have the four-year college degree. And almost consistently across the board, it was 40% of the jobs had to have that higher level of historical knowledge, you know, philosophical principles, all of that. And, and that's all the way up through data science, you know, which are typically on the edge of PhDs in math. And, but it meant that there was 60% of everything else. So if you split that out and take the super entry level jobs, which we have fewer and fewer of in the tech sector, because we do more and more automation and offshoring, those entry, entry level jobs could be your high school youth apprenticeship for help desk. And then they could go from help desk and, and it becomes a ladder or a ramp to next tier jobs with additional training and education as you go. And the middle skills jobs that I'm filling are software development, systems administrator, data analyst, 
all of those have long-term career projection and can be done through vocational training and not through four-year college degrees. And quite frankly, I mean, this is, I'm going to go out on a limb here with my opinion. It's, those are jobs that are frankly better suited to a vocational training than a university training. Simply because if you and I were to start college today, the platform that I decided to apply to college to become a software developer or a you know computer science degree, by the time I get to my junior year, the platform will have changed. So what I thought I was going to school to study will have already started to morph. That's true. And technology is if it takes constantly like advancing. Updating. Yeah. Right. And, and you can no longer be a master of just one discipline or one language or one system because Cobalt developers are you know, on legacy platforms and bordering on obsolete. They're dinosaurs. And the kids who are coming out today have to be able to write in C-sharp and Java and Python and multi-language disciplines. And that helps prep them for the next seven languages that'll be on the pike before they retire. And that's more vocational training. It evolves. And it can be taught in a much quicker fashion than a four-year college degree with, you know, guitar and music lessons on the side. How? Okay. And frankly, so, for a lot less money. Well, that's true. When you think about how much debt this country has on college educations. That's, oh, I don't even want to think about it. So let's, like, give me the definition. So we have kind of the background of Apprentice. So what does your program do? And this is across the country, right? You're like, not just... Seattle and Columbus, Ohio. I mean, you're everywhere, right? Right. Well, <laughs> we're not everywhere, much as I'd like to be. I think the government would like me to be everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're, we're currently in 11 cities. And, and they're either emerging markets like Columbus or really robust tech markets like Boston, Seattle, the Bay Area, and growing rapidly. We're in 11 now. We'll be in 15 by the end of this year. What we do... We work with companies who have strategically made the decision to expand their workforce and take on the role of becoming the trainer, helping to create another pathway, another tech workforce beyond just the college degree track that we tend to recruit everybody from. And we attract the talent. So we go out recruiting. We focus very deliberately on underrepresented populations, veterans, people of color, and women, all three very sorely underrepresented in tech. And we get them assessed on baseline competencies, not can you whiteboard technology and can you write a line of code, but rather are you strong at basic math, logic and critical thinking, and emotional intelligence? Companies identified that on several vectors. Um, so there are some micro assessments underneath that, that the company said, if they can get through this and show some grit, then we think they're trainable. And so we do that assessment, screen and interview them. The company gets the final interview and say so on the person. And then they get enrolled in an accelerated classroom uh, environment for the job that they are going to be doing for the company. So at that point, they are sponsored by the company. There's no cost of tuition to the apprentice, and the, they have an offer of employment on the table that's contingent upon completing the classroom training, and that's three to five months of immersive 40 hours a week training on writing C-sharp, writing Java, 
right? Learning a specific system or platform, whether it's cloud um, or a systems administrator. Uh, so it could be AWS, it could be Azure, and the company identifies which platform it needs them trained on. We source the training provider, ensure that it meets the company's requirements for training and massage the curriculum if needed, and then get them trained. And then they have a guaranteed job and an apprentice wage where they've agreed to go in and learn on the job for a minimum of one year. And the employer has agreed to take them under their wing, give them a mentor in the company, get them up to speed to get them fully competent in that job in that one year. And we register them with the federal government or the state that's appropriate. And the government and the company, aside from paying for the tuition, are, are ensuring that they're going to have the level of skill needed to be competent in that job and be retainable at the end. And they get then a completion credential from the government that says your industry has set forth these standards to determine what competency is. You have graduated per your company and therefore you are a certified completed apprentice. Meaning, you know, if we wanted to apply the, the trades terminology, they're a journey worker. But what it really means is that you're now retainable in that job. And the long, long term trajectory on this is we want companies to get to a point uh, nationally where they can post jobs and say completion, uh, you know, uh, hiring degree required or completion of apprenticeship for the job. Okay. I have some questions. <laughs> yeah, so that's a whole lot of information. But really what it, <laughs> what it boils down to is internships are try before you buy and short term. Apprenticeship is trained to retain. Okay. Oh, okay. So they're paid positions. Yes. Okay. So these companies bring uh, will come to you and interview like a handful or... Do they just select out of an interview process how many they want? They tell us in advance. They're basically placing an order and saying, we want five of X, whatever X is. Could be system administrator, could be software developer. And then we start the screening process for those five and we deliver a two to one ratio to the company to interview. So they get two candidates for every position. In this case, they would get 10 candidates for five positions to review, so to interview. They don't necessarily have to be skilled in that set that they're looking for, or do they? There's no skill requirement, no degree requirement. No skill, no degree. Okay. They are interviewing them on a soft skills basis oh, to determine okay. if they have the grit needed and will they fit with this team and do we believe that they can learn what we need them to learn. So kind of culture, will they fit in kind of thing. Yeah. So once they make that decision, they you said they have classroom do they do the, they must do the classroom work first or is it like Correct. classroom okay it's not like a back and forth kind of thing no it, may, it can be but if you look at the way the trades have done it that's more the way the trades have operated in the u.s it's more the back and forth they're in classroom on job in classroom on job etc in the tech environment a we don't do four and five year apprenticeships for tech roles because the systems and the people will have just changed too much in that time. Um, so it means that we're making an investment on those people getting the classroom training up front so that they're getting to their apprenticeship, their year on the job with the baseline technical skills needed to do that work. And 
that's what the companies have said. You know, we, we can't have somebody come in here and just watch over our shoulder for six months and watch somebody do the work. That would be frustrating for them and highly frustrating for the company. So the company needs them to get the baseline skill before they start. And then they get their hands-on, deep, immersive experience for that year. Who is instructing them during that classroom? Do you have like instructors or I don't know. Best of breed. We hire okay. the the best of breed for in the marketplace for whatever the role and the requirement from the company is. So that could be um, the continuing edu education side of a community college. It could be um, certified corporate trainers who have been approved by the companies who've built the platforms. It could be code academies and will massage the curriculum to meet the employer's needs. It's rarely, if ever, the curriculum that they teach off the shelf. Okay. And once they have gone through their classroom training, now is that paid through by the government or is that paid through by the company? Uh, the curriculum and the training is paid for by the company okay. uh, and the government or you know, private philanthropy so that they don't have to, the apprentice doesn't have to cover that cost. Oh, okay. So there's no out-of-pocket sort of expense for somebody who perhaps wants to go through apprentice to do a, an internship or an apprenticeship, sort of speak. Correct. There's no cost to the apprentice. Now, the, the turn on that is that the apprentice has to be able to survive basically that three to five months of classroom time because not all employers pay them while they're in the classroom period. They're not required to be paid during that initial learning phase oh, okay. in most states. So we do have a few employers that will either pay a stipend or pay them something while they're in class, but most employers are still trying to figure out how to operationalize apprenticeship. And their chief concern is these are still unproven quantities while they're in the classroom portion of training. Okay. Then they're salaried and benefited the minute they go to job for that year. Okay. I, I mean, if you look at like a boot camp, a tech boot camp, that's what, 16 weeks, I I think, 16, 18 weeks. And, yeah, yep. But there's no guarantee that you're going to have a job at the end of that 16-week boot camp. Yeah, if you just enroll in a boot camp, it's like going to college. You're, you're just going out on the market and interviewing. Okay. Versus apprenticeship, which is a requirement. Apprenticeship is a job. There has okay. to be a job tied to it or it's not apprenticeship. Okay, so once they have their classroom skill set done, they go off to the job. And this is all hands-on. They are pretty much working for that company. They are. They are a headcount in that company. They have a job with that company. And basically, it's a one-year audition to be retained by that company. Okay, Does is the company obligated to hold them for a year? They are. The rules of apprenticeship or the law around apprenticeship is a little bit different than typical at will. So the company is accepting a modified set of terms of employment. Oh, okay. So it's not, it's not at will. <laughs> um, there is an at will aspect to it, but it, it's, it's different. I mean, it's pretty complex, but to just boil it down, there is still a probationary window in apprenticeship, which there isn't at large. There's 400 hours or 10 weeks of probation where the company can separate from you at the start if you're not meeting expectations. Oh, okay. After that, it is joint remediation, meaning 
if there's a training challenge, if there's, you know, a performance issue, then it's the company, the apprentice and apprentice have to work together to identify what that challenge is and try to either provide additional training, additional support to get them through that during the remainder of the term. The company is obligated to keep them on, but cause is always cause. And as long as it is documented in a traditional HR fashion, then the company can terminate, but it has to be for cause, not for convenience. Oh, okay. So that's where it's not traditional at will. Okay. So after a year, so is there a contract that's signed by both parties? Yeah. Or is it three just like contract. a yep. three-way contract? Okay. And so once that year is up, then either the company can retain that employee or not? Correct. So what happens so to So they still have employee? to do an annual review. <laughs> okay. Uh, so 84% of the time, the company retains them. Oh, okay. I got all nervous. I was all like kind of sweaty a little bit here. Like, oh, those poor people, what happens to them? <laughs> yep, they're totally cut loose. They're fighting for themselves. No, just kidding. No, 84% of the time, the company keeps them. And then, you know, there's probably five, of the 16% remaining, a third um, have, have opted out of the industry and said, not interested. This is not what I wanted out of life. And of the other two thirds, some choose not to stay with the company, even if there are extended an offer, like they got their year of experience, but didn't feel like the company was the right fit for them. And in other cases, the company didn't retain them. And that those two groups, we actively work with to try and get them a secondary placement with another company. And they're out interviewing for jobs and applying for jobs on their own. And for us, that's an improvement to the ecosystem. We've just added new talent that has a full year of experience under their belt and the credentials earned with the classroom training that makes them highly marketable to other companies because they're not looking at somebody who, like a college grad, was coming out with virtually no experience starting from scratch that the company's going to have to make an investment in. This person's already skilled on this platform. I'm happy to hire them at that point. So the relationship between apprentice apprentice and the people that they place doesn't necessarily end just because they got them a job? That's correct. Our, okay. our responsibility as apprentice is to manage them as apprentices through that entire year process. And we have formal required touch points, both with the apprentice and the company during the year. The last of which is two months before the end of the term, where we ask the company what their intent is. Is it to retain or not. And if not, that gives us 60 days to start working with the apprentice to help them think through resumes and where to apply and what other companies are on the same platform so that they know where to direct their attention for applying for jobs and so on. Okay. So it's kind of like the baby bird. You've taught it to fly, but you bring it back if you need to support it some more. Yeah, we're, we're, you know, even in the apprenticeship process, we, we're typically trying to teach them to fish. You know, if an apprentice has a challenge with their mentor and they don't feel like they're communicating well with their mentor, it's rare that we're going to intercede and call the mentor at the company to, you know, sit the two of them down and, and broker a conversation. What we're going to do is teach that apprentice how to advocate for themselves so that they can go initiate the conversation on their own. Because after that year is up, we can't continue doing that. So it's best if we teach them how to go fish. So 
the company provides a mentor, does that mentor have to go through any sort of training through your company, like Apprenti, or is it just who they believe is the their top dog in that company to help with this process? Well, you can well imagine. Yeah, we've had some companies that have voluntold employees that they will be mentors. Right. <laughs> and then there are some companies that have asked for volunteers. <laughs> the voluntolds don't go so well. Yeah, the ones they probably right. are like, who would like to volunteer probably get way more successful. Completely. Yeah. And so the volunteers typically go through some internal training with the company um, about how to mentor somebody and companies have set up some different directives around that will provide some initial support about what that experience is going to look like and help them manage expectations about how much time it is going to take to manage the person. Because as you can imagine, when they start their job, it's going to be a lot more time intensive than it is going to be six months down the road. You know, as, as the apprentice is growing into the job and becoming more independent and productive, the mentor's time is declining so they're not having to oversee their work as as monotonously day to day. So, you know, we'll help the company prepare for that part of it. And then the companies are usually working with mentors and getting them some internal training on how to manage people and how to foster junior talent. Okay. Do you have people like, like me that's... <clears throat> middle-aged that would get involved in a program like this? Or is this young, like you said, your kids were kind of the pilot, young, spunky, passionate, but I don't want to go to college. Interestingly enough, my thesis going into this is that we were going to get like that middle twenties, started college, didn't finish college, or, you know, did the military right after high school, did their four years and got out and are now looking for a career without doing the college path. That was what I thought we were going to get. The median applicant age, and I have over almost 13,000 applicants in those 11 cities now. The median applicant age is 35 and the median apprentice age is 32. Wow. The youngest person I've placed is 18 and the eldest person I've placed is 63. Holy God, that guy wants to retire. Right? <laughs> no, it was a woman. I have two women in their 60s, and they are late in life divorcee, having to go back and start oh, over. Oh, man. But good for them. Right? For, I know. Good for them. And they're rock stars. See, women always are. I mean, think of how much experience they bring to the table. Wow, that's awesome. So do you get a lot of women? Yeah. Speaking of, since we're on Get With It, we should probably talk about the women aspect right? of this. <laughs> 36 percent of my applicants are women. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's, yep. that's, that's pretty impressive. And do you have a percentage of those women that get retained? Um, so, yeah. So there, you know, that blended average of, of, 84% retention, you know, they're fully 34% of the retained population. It's actually higher than that because they're overlapping populations. 41% of my placements are people of color. And so, you know, we have a high density of women, people of color that go through the program. Wow. The other interesting thing, and, and college degree, again, not a requirement, but 
and I don't even ask that question. I don't ask for your degree attainment or educational attainment or your prior work experience so that all applicants are on a level playing field. And I don't give the company a resume. They, because the first thing they're going to do is stack rank people based on where they've worked and what schools they went to and just replicate the problem. So the companies only get what we learned about their skill sets during our interview process and what their score was on the assessment that they took. And the, the folks that we're sending to them, aside from being highly diverse, I can't even remember where I was going with this now. I've lost my train of thought. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's, it, clearly one cup of coffee wasn't enough. Um, <laughs> so the, the women, anyway, the women who are going through this, oh, that's where I know I was going with the college degree. So it's not mm -hmm. until they fill out their paperwork because they've been accepted by a company that we know what their educational attainment work it was because that's when they're filling out their normal hire paperwork for a company. Oh, okay. And it turns out 51% of them have a college degree of some kind. 49% do not. And retention looks the same on both sides. Wow. So proving that the degree was less relevant than everybody asserted that it needed to be. But, you know, the degrees that we're seeing are largely liberal arts degrees. They're from secondary and tertiary schools, meaning state colleges and junior colleges and a lot of for-profit schools, you know, where people did the time and put in the effort. But, you know, those are just not the schools that the industry tends to recruit from. So they've struggled to, to land somewhere on a professional career. The number one career before coming to Apprentice, of course, is military, because we have a, a high density of, of folks coming in from the military. But interestingly enough, the number two career is Uber driver. <laughs> really? That's, that's funny. Yeah. I get a lot of Uber drivers. But they can keep Ubering at night. They could, but they they're could. going to be really intensely uh, tired if they, <laughs> if they try to do that immersive classroom time and still drive. Uber drivers. Wow. I, yeah. I, that, hmm. A so lot of Uber drivers with degrees, but, but they're just not able to land a career. Well, but here, think about it. Think about where we were 10 years ago. If the median age is 32, that means mm -hmm. that theoretically they either went to school or did military right after high school. And then when did they were, when were they trying to enter the workforce at the bottom of the economy 10 years ago? Makes sense. And they, yes. they were trying to compete with you and me and couldn't get in, which means they've spent the last 10 years stuck in service industry jobs and no pathway back. And at that age, they're not likely to stop making money just so that they can go take on $100,000 in debt and try college again. Right. Well, I need, I have to refer back to, you said 11 cities? Yes. Okay. What are those 11 cities? I knew you were going to ask me this. Um, okay. <laughs> Go coast to coast. Um, Boston, Northern Virginia. So DC area North. Okay. Columbus, Cincinnati, Bend, Eugene, Oregon, obviously Seattle, but we cover Washington as a state. And then we have three cities that we have done cohorts in, but are for a specific employer. And those are Atlanta, Dallas, and Chicago. Oh, big names. And that gets us, 
Yeah. And, and so when I say those markets are open, it's because we have a specific employer that we're filling in those markets. But we are now looking at expanding in those markets for more employers, which means it'll be a bigger endeavor like it is in Columbus and Cincinnati, where we have a lot of companies that we're now placing for. And, and so those are the existing. And we're about to open the Bay Area of California and Salt Lake City and Phoenix. So, of so course, those are the next three. Here comes the 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 question: What's the attraction to Columbus and or Cincinnati? <laughs> well, interestingly enough, you know, Columbus at the time was on Amazon's finalist list, and we do all the military placements for tech jobs at Amazon. Oh, okay. Um, and work very closely with the military recruiting team. But so they had identified a potential need there. And we had a directive from JP Morgan Chase for Columbus as well. And then, you know, I, I spent years growing up in Ohio uh, and I, I lived in Cincinnati. Uh, I went to grad school at Ohio University and worked for Progressive Insurance in Cleveland. So I had a pretty good understanding and knowledge of the state. And Ohio just has a great cross-section of companies across industries that gave me an ability to test the original thesis, which is a software developer is a software developer is a software developer. And if you're writing in C-sharp, it doesn't matter if you're doing it in financial services, high tech, or a um, healthcare company. The core fundamentals, 80 to 85% of that job is portable across the sectors because it looks the same. And the companies that we work with all agree with that idea. And so I needed a place to prove that out with a broader and more diverse set of companies. And Ohio has that composition. So I could get financial services, insurance, manufacturing, healthcare, as well as some high tech and get a density of the companies that would allow me under a set of standards filed in a state to prove that one set of standards can be utilized by all of those companies and industries instead of the original thesis by the Department of Labor, as we've had to push back a little bit, which was every company should be doing apprenticeship and each company should file its own standards, which means theoretically that 500 companies of the Fortune 500 would do their own thing, which just means they'll fire it with their own ethos and their own eccentricities built in but that will make it less and less portable or consumable to other companies. And so if I say I've completed my apprenticeship at IBM, that may be consumable to other people on IBM platforms, and it may not. And if I completed mine at Microsoft, Amazon may say that doesn't work for me, not only because it's a different language, but simply that, you know, one company, you know, we took some apprentices from that company in that state and it, they just didn't work out for us. But I like the apprentices that come out of this other company at this other state. And now you're getting into a really deep layer of interpretation that starts to look just like the college system, where we like to recruit from only this echelon of schools that teach it this way. And those are our preferred. And then you have a lot of washout after that. And now it's no longer a scalable system that can be portable and consumable by everybody. The great thing about apprenticeship is the standardization of it. An electrician is an electrician is an electrician. So why would a C-sharp developer be any different? Right. So, but does the government, like, do you, 
since this is an apprenticeship, I don't even know if this is a thing, but like electricians and plumbers, they have to be registered or certified or this program does that, correct? Correct. So they're getting the same as you would get from a four-year degree. They're just getting it consolidated and focused into a three or five, three to five month program. Yeah. I mean, I I, I don't want to characterize what you get in an accelerated path as being identical to what you would have gotten in a computer science degree at the four-year level. I think that there is a huge value proposition to the university system that's just a different value proposition to accelerated classroom training. I did have a, a company equate it to me this way, though. If they look at the total number of hours that a student spends, or an apprentice in this case, spends in an accelerated classroom for software development at five months, and it's somewhere around 740 hours of classroom time, that is actually more dense than what they got in their junior and senior year of classroom time at university in their major. Oh, I would have to agree because I graduated from Michigan State and my senior year was mostly spent at bars. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I went to Ohio University. We're typically in the Uh, top five, I know, of party. You're party school. So I feel you, but it doesn't change the fact that um, the difference that another company equated to me, this was with, as companies, particularly for tech jobs, have recruited exclusively from universities, they know what they're missing when they get to job. And it's typically the hands-on experience. And so they spend six months getting them to sink their teeth into the actual product and program and frankly, even learn some different semantics around what the tech job is versus the textbook version that they spent the last four years on. That's just something that's known to the company and they know how to deal with that. Apprentices, as some of these larger companies like Microsoft and Amazon who are taking much heavier density now have equated it to, there's a different training hurdle that has to be taken on with an apprentice than a university hire. The key difference is that the apprentice walks in the door having just done it, sunk their teeth into it, and know how to write the code and how to use directories or how to understand that system and infrastructure. They're actually ready to jump in and hit the ground running. They're missing all the theoretical history of why we do it the way we do it and why it's evolving the way it's evolving. So it's just forcing companies to look at how they're training apprentices a little bit differently to onboard them and get them sort of like that theoretical history so that they don't make the same mistakes that were already made 10 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Equal but opposite problem. I agree though. Like I, it, when you, when listening to you, I keep thinking I learned more on the job when I was working with somebody than sitting in a classroom because you have life, real life experiences when you're on the job versus what's in a book. It's, I guess, more, I learned better that way because it was more uh, visual. I could see how it affected every part of the industry that I worked in at the time, whatever industry it was. So I think it's great. Mm -hmm. Well, and one thing we didn't do is really set the table in the conversation. And so just to kind of illustrate the pain that the United States is in and why I think 
both companies and the government would like us to scale faster. And we've already scaled faster than we originally forecasted. And painfully, I might add, <laughs> is that <laughs> we had we finished 2018 having posted 2.97 million tech jobs in the U.S. last year. The U.S. Department of Commerce forecasts that we're going to create another 1.3 million net new jobs on top of that in the next six years. And at the four-year college level, we graduate 65,000 computer science degrees a year, public and private combined. That's not enough people to cover those jobs. All engineering-related degrees, so information technology and other things and communications around the tech title is about a quarter of a million engineering degrees. So the gap is just widening profusely. And let's face it, we don't recruit from all those schools either. So there's right. breakage in those numbers. I always ask a room full of tech professionals when the last time was they went to Topeka State to recruit. And I've had exactly one person raise their hand in the year and a half I've been doing this. And I talk a lot. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, one person has admitted to going to Topeka State to recruit. Wow. That's amazing. Okay, well, so here locally, we have Kevin, correct? Kevin Gadd. Am I saying his name right? Kevin Gadd. Mm -hmm. And he is yep. the Kevin your Gadd local. Yes. He was fantastic. We had coffee. We chatted. We had a good time. And so he's the local here in the Columbus and Cincinnati area, correct? Correct. He's managing the state's outreach for us. Okay. And so he, well, hopefully you'll be, you'll come out and join us. But um, September 30th is the Get With It conference. And I know he will be there. Apprenti is uh, one of our sponsors. And we're hoping that you'll be able to come out and make the trip. But I know Kevin will be there. I will be there too. All right. Yay. Yep. So coming out for the Get Looking With forward It. forward to it. We're excited to have you. How wonderful. So, well, now we'll have Jennifer and Kevin. They're going to have a booth and we're going to have, hopefully we're going to get you up on stage and do a little chat more about what opportunities there are for women with your program and women, not necessarily even in tech. And because we at Get Witty try to focus on getting more women into IT. So maybe getting you guys all connected and then we can take over the world. That would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. What, one step at a time. I mean, we, we know what we're doing. We almost right. run this. Exactly. <laughs> right. And it's we not, have better. It's not crazy. We know what we're doing. We do know what we're doing. And most women have better hair than men. Um, so, um, you know, <laughs> people make fun of Trump's hair. So we normally have better hair. Right. So. <laughs> Now you put <laughs> no pressure. I better go get my hair done that day. <laughs> so get an updo. That's right, like updo beehive. Uh, <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, I don't want to take up. I've taken up about an hour of your time, and you're a busy, busy lady out there in Seattle. So um, we will see you on September 30th, and Kevin is here. What is the website people should check out? Apprenti 
Yeah, ApprentiCareers.org. We are a okay. not-for-profit and oh, uh, A-P-P-R-E-N-T-I, careers.org. Perfect. And um, of course, anybody listening can't remember that. They can always reach out to me at elizabeth.tolia at getwitted.com. And I will be happy to get you connected with Kevin here locally. Um, and then you can meet Jennifer at the conference. And I think I said it already, September 30th. And I got to do one big shout out for GirlCon, which is June 12th. Jennifer, I didn't mention this, but we're doing our first ever annual GirlCon here in Columbus. And we're having a whole day of activities, hands-on activities, robots and laser printing, 3D printing, um, Raspberry Pi building. Gosh, I can't. Oh, gaming. They're going to build a game. Um, so just a whole day, fun for girls, um, seventh, Love eighth, it. ninth. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. great? So we're trying to hit them up while they're young. <laughs> that is we, number one. That is the range for opt out right there. That's when they opt out. So anything we can do to keep them in means that we're already building the next generation. That's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, seventh, eighth, ninth, and 10th graders. So we're trying to get them at that age. Okay. So, all right. Well, I can't thank you enough for, doing this crazy podcast through, what are we going through here, Darren? We've got Zencaster. We're through this fancy, fancy technology stuff. So I'm going to laugh when it's over and none of it recorded. <laughs> Darren's over there. Now he's going to be like sweating. <laughs> he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> all right well you have a great rest of your day and thank you so much and then hopefully the weather will turn for you and thanks for everything thanks for tuning in and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review we will see you next time and feel free to drop us a line at getwitit.org.